Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Whether you're looking to get on your very first store shelf or you're looking to grow your national or even international food brand, this podcast is going to teach you what it really takes to launch, grow, and scale a packaged food brand. Hear the food founder journeys of brands growing in their industry so you can fast track your food business success. I'm your host, Ainsley, and this is the Food Founders Podcast. Hello, hello, food founders, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. I'm your host, Ainsley, and today I'm so thrilled to have Bella Hughes, the founder of Shaka Tea, on the show. Bella, welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for for having me and uh, giving us the opportunity to share a little bit about our story. Well, I'm excited to give you this opportunity, although I feel like you guys are masters at getting lots of word out about the product. So for anyone who doesn't know about Shaka Tea just yet, um, could you just give us a little recap? What is Shaka Tea and who's it for? Absolutely. Uh, So Shaka Tea, we're based out of Hawaii, which is where I was born and raised. And we bring to the table a full flavor, zero sugar herbal tea line. And what's distinctive about us is we're brewed with an endemic tea plant called mamaki. It's the rarest herbal tea in the world, only found in the Hawaiian Islands. It's sustainably sourced and supports small local farmers. All our teas are clean label, project non-GMO verified. We've got a line of iced teas, tropical botanical flavors, and they're gently sweetened with monk fruit, but resulting still in a zero gram sugar, zero calorie product. And then complementing that, we have tea for home brewing that takes a more fun and functional approach, all naturally caffeine free. So it's a little bit about us. Okay. So talk to me about the mamaki. Like... You grew up there. So obviously, like, I'm assuming this was just naturally part of, you know, your upbringing. Like, how did you decide, hey, we have this magical, like, piece here. Let's bottle it up and sell it all across the country. Like, what led to that? Great. That's a great question. So, um, you know, being born and raised here and just always being very interested in native plants, it was absolutely just something that was part of growing up here. Um, But really, my re-engagement as an adult with Mamaki came when I was pregnant. Um, I had a very different career. I was in art and culture for over a decade, working globally. And in my former life, I was frequently traveling. And one of the things I did was anywhere I went, whether I was in Herbilly Rock, talking about gender equality and empowering women through art, taking art collectors to Art Basel, or opening a show I created in DC or London, I would just look for something from Hawaii. Um, There's a section in the local newspaper called Signs of Hawaiian Life. And what really amazed me was literally everywhere I went, I could find products marketed as Hawaiian, um, but the majority of the products on the market didn't have actual authentic ties. They weren't founded here and or had ingredients. Um, And so when I was pregnant, I would come back home. My kids were both born in Dubai and I would bring a ton of mamaki tea back to the United Arab Emirates. Um, And I developed an aversion to sugar for some odd, but wonderfully miraculous for my health reason. Um, And I was able to find the tropical fruits I'd grown up with. I could get like mango and guava from India or Kenya and passion fruit would brew these like huge jugs of mamaki tea. And to brew mamaki properly, you want to brew it for at least 45 minutes 
add just fruit puree and Harrison, my co-founder and my husband and I, we'd always wanted to be in food and beverage together. And what we were noticing at the time was in terms of a tea set, he either had unsweetened tea, which didn't appeal to the average, especially we're based in the United States, American palate, sugar has been hiding everywhere for the past 50 years. And then on the other end, you had tea that was so extraordinarily sweet and sugary. You might as well have a soda. And there wasn't really a unified tea line that was full flavor, sustainably sourced with zero gram sugar. So we moved back home in 2016. Um, We launched out of my hometown, Honolulu on Oahu. And it was all about how can we do the most good um, and build a big brand. We firmly believe business can be a force for good. And one of the challenges we have in Hawaii is we've got the highest cost of living and lowest wages in the nation. And when I was a little girl, there was a lot of big ag that was pretty exploitative, monocropping, heavy pesticide use with big plantation style agriculture, like sugarcane and pineapple. Um, And in terms of economic abundance, you know, nobody was really making big money except the plantation owners. So that has all shifted because it became too expensive to grow those crops. We've got about a million acres of ag land and not a lot of high value export crops. And that's where Mamaki comes in. Um, Not only is it an amazing, great tasting, kind of like a reddish, um, if you know tea, it's more similar to like a rooibos. It's got this incredible heritage of being endemic, only found and grown here. And every time we're planting Mamaki, we're in restoring native ecosystem habitat because it's the host plant for our endangered pollinator butterfly. We've given out by the end of this year over 25,000 free seedlings. We work with over a dozen small farmers um, and we pay our farmers a premium. So it's very much rooted in big market opportunity. Hey, this doesn't exist in the tea space. The acknowledgement of the Hawaiian brand and the opportunity to do something authentic and then our commitment to our community. I really like how that's like full circle with everything. So you saw a gap in the market and you're like, okay, there's an opportunity here, but not the way that other businesses have been doing it, whether it be by ruining the land, not recognizing, you know, workers or really not taking the consumer mm-hmm. for it first. When you did this, like you really went, how do we do this right from the beginning, which Sometimes there's challenges in doing that. I'm sure you faced a lot of challenges. I'm sure people said you're crazy for wanting to kind of go this route. Like, how did you guys overcome that in terms of just, you know, the upfront pieces that come with you're kind of shaking up the industry on its head a little bit? How'd you deal with that? Yeah, that's a really wonderful question. It's something I'm trying to reflect on more. We launched in market at the very end of March 2016. We had 18,000 co-packed bottles, our life savings, two kids under four, and not a single account. We were insane. Um, I can't even believe we did what we did, but the bigger insane component on all of this was there really wasn't a Mamaki um, supply chain. So having formerly been an arts and culture um, and a curator and art critic, I all of a sudden shifted gears, learned everything I could about Mamaki, um, restorative agriculture, sustainable agriculture. The slight difference for us is some of our farmers, um, including our sister farm, Hawaii Forest Farms, we restore native ecosystem habitat because Mamaki is an understory, so you can keep native forest intact. Um, where sustainable is more about agroforestry systems and good land management practices and, you know, obviously not using pesticides. All that being said, 
the past four years, we have simultaneously not just built a brand um, and a product line, and you know, we still have so many steps in the journey to get to the success we think is attainable, but we built up an entire supply chain and just really tremendous gratitude to our, our hui, our community of farmers that took the risk to try a new crop that really previously had just been grown like small style in your garden. You got a couple bushes for your own personal usage or you'd forage for it in a forest when you were hiking. So that was a lot. And, you know, really early on, we, we, again, we do believe like we need to look at, you know, capitalism, progressive capitalism as a force for good, what you can do the most good, but make a business that, you know, can be profitable. That is just the ethical way to think about building brands and businesses. But the other big component for us was not only with our local community, what we're doing here in terms of economic abundance and growth, but how do you bring to the table an amazing healthy product and make it priced accessibly? So you probably know so many beverages that have launched the past five to 10 years have been in that four to $10 price point. And that's insane. I mean, before this current recession, already 76% of Americans were living paycheck to paycheck. Um, And the way that we're able to have a product that is on average about 229 to 239, but we're in Walmart at 198. Our official SRP is 198 to 249. We're at over a 50% manufactured margin is we grow the mamaki here in Hawaii and dry it. And then we co-pack and we ship it to markets off island. And really through that co-packed model is how we've been able to bring to the table this. And that was another big sticking point. I mean, we still to this day are told by partners, like, why don't you charge $2.99 to $3.99? And, you know, we fundamentally believe as a business, again, rooted in in really our value of, of be the aloha, aloha, the kindness, the goodness, the respect, the love. You know, we have, you know, almost fiduciary responsibility to consumers that we're bringing them a healthy product. We were this small family of four, literally late with preschool payments when we started this business and to drink healthy was really expensive. And from that experience, we were like, okay, our tea, caffeine-free, sugar-free, great for the whole ohana, the family, and it's priced equitably. And that's that's been another thing from the supply chain and people saying, this is a great brand. Just go buy some cheap tea from Asia and slap it on. And it was like, that's not the point of the brand to like, why are you making it so cheap? And I'm like, well, why don't we talk about price accessibility? What margins do you really need? So yeah, it's been, it's been an amazing journey so far. And thank you for asking that question that like now finally there's a little bit of time to pause and reflect on four years in. Right. But I mean, you guys went about it. I love, so a couple of things you went in it with this like big thinking, like right from day one and how do we do it right? Because like you said, people have been asking like, well, why don't you just kind of like take this shortcut or take this shortcut? And I think what I'm hearing from you is that like that brand purpose is so deep within you in terms of how you want this to show up for everyone end to end. And I think that's a shining model of how to run a business. Thank you. Well, we we really hope to be um, a model for other Hawaii companies, um, being very committed to my community and where I was born and raised and where we're raising our children. Um, I really believe that for far too long in Hawaii, agriculture in terms of, you know, exporting to larger markets, we're very small here. We're like 1.3 million people. It's been focused on the premiumization of the Hawaii brand. 
And what you really want is high velocity, you know, daily usage occasion in both the product line as well as the price point. So thinking more about, you know, paying farmers a premium for hero ingredients, but manufacturing off island to hit larger markets. Um, you know, someone could apply this to so many other uh, verticals. And if at the end of the day, we can build, you know, one of the next big iconic beverage brands, but then just serve as a model for other entrepreneurs in our community, I would feel like, you know, we, we set out to do what we were going to do. So take me back to these beginning kind of like wild days, you and your husband and your children, you're like, all right, we're going to, we're going to do this. People told you you were crazy. What is one of the the pieces that at those days that if you were to go back now, you kind of wish that you knew then what you know now that would have maybe helped you, whether it be fast track or just do things differently or, you know, not make some of those, you know, we always fall down and get back up in business. So what do you wish that you knew then that you know now? Yeah. Um, like many entrepreneurs, I... You know, I think especially if you were very much a, a mission, and we always say we're the Be the Aloha movement-based brand, founded in what you just heard is why, why our big why. I I think especially working with more novel ingredients, hero ingredients that you may be first to market, and in terms of a shelf-stable iced tea, we are first to market with that, and really introducing this hero ingredient to you know the U.S. continent, and we just launched in Japan last month, so now we're in Asia. But you know, all that being said we used to lead with the story of Mamaki. And whilst it is our why, and it's wonderful to talk about on a podcast with you and to share with potential investors or entrepreneurial events, when you're talking to a consumer, you've got like three seconds. And I think so many mission-based businesses that have a unique ingredient story or heritage story often lead with that. And at the end of the day, the consumer wants to quickly know with a brand that has got like at that point in time, 0.001% ACV, why should I get this? And even though, yes, increasingly consumers are reading labels, um, I wish from the beginning we'd been bigger on our label about like how this fits into your diet. I think a big evolution for us has been we moved the Mamaki story to the back of the label because right now Mamaki still is like, what's that? We're really the only ones working in this nationally. We built up the supply chain to scale. And really now on the front, we're leading with that we're 100% plant-based, caffeine-free, zero-calorie carb sugar. And that's been a huge change change in terms of the marketing, the initial engagement with the brand, but just seeing the growth, um, we've grown 300% year over year, you know, Q1 of this year, which is when these new labels launched was up over 500% compared to last Q1 2019. Um, I think that's just something that a lot of founders, we often want to lead with our story and our passion, but hey, why is somebody going to buy it? And now it's very clear if you're on plant-based or keto or an intermittent faster because there's all these, you know, low sugar, diabetic, it's very clear like the why, how this fits into your diet. So that'd probably be my number one piece of advice. Always be your authentic self, but you've got to make the sale to live your mission. And what's the quickest, keep it simple way to communicate that with, you know, great packaging and clear labels on the front end. That's a really good point. And it's great that you guys came to that like now, and the fact that you've seen that increase of sales, once you change that, that's like proof in the pudding right there. This is what your consumer wanted to know. Uh, and it just makes that purchase decision easier. And it's not, it's not going off of like your brand purpose. Like you said, you just switched the priority, which is, which is great. And you learned that with time. So very cool to know that that's what you would have done 
going back yeah. in time lead with and retailers told me this by the way I wish I had listened but oftentimes when you're an entrepreneur like no this is my passion and it's like well to live your passion and your mission or your purpose the retailers these 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 ladies and gentlemen have been in that a lot longer you know we didn't have really food or beverage experience if they're saying can you explain the why to my customer with your label clearer and quicker I you know I wish we'd done that a year sooner but I'm glad we did it now right the next best time is right now, right? So you did it did it when you could. Okay, so that's something going back. What about looking forward? Like what is one of the pieces that you guys are working on next for your next big stage of growth? You just launched into Japan. That's amazing. Like what's what's coming up for you guys next? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, we have always been very traditional in brick and mortar. We're in about 2,000 stores in the U.S. Um, for you know, supposedly we're millennials, but we're not very techy or cool or, you know, uh, hip with that digital e-commerce marketing. Um, and, you know, we've been always very proud about our velocity data story showing where we've grown. Um, the past 13 weeks where tea has been largely flat across the United States, Shaka Tea grew 20% with same store velocity sales, which is amazing for a very emerging brand. Um, all that being said, you know, the impact of COVID has been tremendous in terms of new account launches being delayed up to one year, which is completely understandable with retailers having shifting priorities um, and just a very big market change in consumer behavior. Our new website launched yesterday, shakati.com. It's now streamlined on Shopify. Um, but I saw a funny meme and it was like, who decided to launch your e-commerce strategy, your CMO, your CEO, or COVID? And for us, you know, by the way, we're too small to even have a CMO. Um, but all that being said, it was it was definitely COVID with our Hokey website previously that Harrison and I put together and gave no attention to. We saw a 566% growth between like March and May um, organically. And a big focus now for us is to get our e-commerce, you know, going, marketing. Um, we have a great subscription platform now where, you know, you can save about $70, two months worth of cases if you subscribe. Um, and like many brands that have been late to the game there, we see that as a tremendous opportunity. And really through digital marketing, a way to also share not just the, the why of how this fits your mindful eating style, but the why of our mission. So that's a big focus. And then continuously in the US, we're in the process of uh, signing DSD accounts to complement our broadline distribution. When we have a new product more focused on the wellness, I'd say it's probably a first line that's quite functional that will launch exclusively through e-commerce later this year. So those are all the big, the big things we're working on. Sounds like, I mean, 2020 is wacky as it's been. There's so many great pieces that have been happening for you guys and, you know, new website just out yesterday. Congratulations, by the way. I'm going to go check it out. Actually, that, that makes sense. I went on your website yesterday and I was like, oh, I think they're doing some updates. So I'm going to go check it out today with the new look and feel of it. And I know you guys are like, you're expanding, you're getting new products. You guys are on a great growth path. And I think there are so many pieces that are part of it. Like you guys have looked at things end to end from day one, you acted like a big company from day one, you've lived your purpose and you know, you're, you're still being accessible to everyone. I, I think that's probably one of your big reasons too. Like not only do you have a great 
brand. You've made it really clear why people need you. People are looking for healthy food and beverages right now. And you're still affordable. Like people are watching what they're spending. And when they know, hey, I can get health at an affordable price, heck yeah, like sign me up, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think one of the things I was reading, you know, we get inundated with a million different industry email marketing, but one of the things we've been thinking a lot for us at Shaka Tea, inclusivity and our commitment to diversity and racial justice is at our core. Um, We're operating from one of the most ethnically diverse places in the United States. Seven out of our 10 team members are people of color. And one of the things I read this morning was like that sugary beverages are marketing at a much uh, a disproportionate rate to Hispanic and black young customers. And so we've been thinking for a while about, you know, starting to do marketing in Spanish and, you know, just seeing that data point. I think the next big thing about price accessibility is also like, how do we market to communities, communities of color that are being inundated with, you know, sugary beverage marketing, where really we want to share our products. So that's just, you know, a new big thinking point for us as we continue our commitment to to equity in a very humble format. It's just a team that how can, again, from the way we market, whom we're selling to do the most good. And we're on the pathway to be profitable uh, by the end of this year. So that's exciting. That's great. Yeah. Four years in, big growth on the route to being profitable now. Like, this is great. So, okay. Final question. I know everyone's going to want to know. You've just answered some of it in here, but where can people find you? Soon DSD or can they, or not DSD, uh, B2C, like can they go to your website and order it right now or where, where can they find you? Right now. Um, and unfortunately I know you're based in Canada, so we don't ship there yet. And we're not in Canada, but we do ship in the United States. You can find us at the Fresh Market, select Piggly Wigglies and Harris Teeters, select Walmarts, the SOPAC region of Whole Foods, um, and soon to be expanding to another region, um, Gelson's, Bristol Farms, Molly Stones, Zupans. Uh, nationally, we're in every cost plus world market. So if you actually go onto our website, we've got a store location finder that's pretty helpful. Perfect. All right. So thank you for this. Everyone, you can go on to Shaka Tea. Uh, There'll be a link at the bottom of this episode as well. You can go right on there, find where you can pick it up closest to you and support this really purpose-driven product that is on a mission, doing good in so many different ways. I'm excited to continue to watch your growth, Bella, and everything that you guys are doing at Shaka Tea. Thank you. Thank you so much. We really appreciate everybody's support um, and getting our story out there and sharing our product. And I so enjoyed meeting you and this very delightful conversation. Thanks so much. Okay. Have a great day. Aloha. Aloha. The Food Founders Podcast is brought to you by the Fab Growth Academy, the online hub for driven food and beverage business owners that want to get on more shelves, get into more homes and really grow their food business. Inside the Fab Growth Academy, Fab standing for food and beverage, you'll have unlimited access to tools, resources, and training from myself and my food friends. So if you know you have a great product, let's work on building the business side of things so that more people can enjoy it and you can make the impact I know you want to make with your business. The Fab Growth Academy is now open. So hop on over to growmyfoodbrand.com to join me and your fellow food founders inside the Fab Growth Academy. I cannot wait to see you in there and help you grow your business.